Hey, everybody, real quick, before we jump into the episode, I want to apologize for missing out on last week's episode. We had a couple of us had some meetings and myself wasn't feeling so good. In fact, you probably could still hear that I have a little bit of a cold going on, but I'm feeling much, much better. And we're going to be back on schedule with some regular episodes for you and some regular interviews. Also, I want to thank, give a big shout out to DoorDisc.com for all their support for the Disc Golf Answer Man show. Uh, if you've got last minute gifts you want to get for this holiday season, or if you want to spend any extra money that you got for Christmas, head on over to DoorDisc.com. They got some great deals for you. Make sure you let them know that we're working together. Use that code DGAM for free shipping. Appreciate you guys. DoorDisc.com. D-O-O-R-D-I-S-C.com. Everybody, welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answer Man. I am Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze. I have with me with me my amazing co-hosts Eric Oakley and Robert McCall. How are you, gentlemen, doing this evening? Your voice right. has a cool rasp to it right now. Does it? It's because of my cold. I know. I wish it yeah. was like that all the time. Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, That's I would. I'd probably get more dates if that was the case. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Or it'll help your karaoke game. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then if I go really low, can I get, can I sound like Robert McCall? No, that doesn't sound anything like yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that, that was really close. <laughs> yeah. Was, I was surprised Shady didn't come running in. What? What? Um, so, we are here. <laughs> We're back with the, we had a week off last week. Uh, and then this is Christmas week. Um, but anyway, uh, have I, I haven't played any disc golf. Let's talk some disc golf. Who's played some disc golf since we talked last? I know Eric Oakley has nothing for you, Dang. Robert. I've been, I've been playing pickleball. If you guys don't play the frizz. Sorry. I've been playing pickleball some. I've been playing Halo Infinite a lot. I've been hanging out with my baby child, um, who's walking around like all over the place. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I haven't had a chance. Like I said, I've been sick, like back sick again. Um, I was just getting over COVID stuff and then, uh, dummy me went out in the cold with no hat on. And I got, I remember thinking it's really cold. I'll probably catch a cold. And sure enough, the next day I was feeling it, feeling it. And then it hit me hard. So, um, I haven't been able to get out to do anything. I will tell you, uh, Robert, uh, I finally found a Claremore pickleball club and they play at nice. the, uh, the, is it the YMCA here? No, the, uh, rec center. They play here Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so I'm going to go there, uh, hopefully this Thursday, if I feel much better to get out, but I want to get out there and play some pickleball. So I'll finally get into a new pickleball, uh, community. Have you seen anything Dude, from I'm the from the Emporia pickleball, the new courts and everything that are playing on them without the yes. nets with the nets and stuff? Yeah, they they look awesome. And we are um we're headed to Emporia uh I think it's end of January just to go visit. Oh yeah. So we'll get to Well, I don't know if we'll get to play on them because it'll be January, so oh, maybe yeah. it'll be too cold and crappy. But if not, <coughs> I'm stoked. I can't wait to check them out for sure. Well, man, I wish I could come visit with you guys, but I will be, I will have someone in my Airbnb house for 30 days. So, oh, um, that's, oh. that's good though. So, but I have no, yeah, I have no reason awesome. to go back to Emporia. So they're staying there for uh, an extended stay time. Eric, talk to us about some uh, Florida weather though. Great weather, I'm sure for disc golf. And then you traveled to Tejas to celebrate one yeah. of our homies um, uh, wedding. Talk to us about that. 
Jonathan Nicholson. So uh, I've been able to play a lot uh, at you know here in Florida outside of today, and because it was rainy and fifty and kind of gross, but that happens. Like it's just like a one or one off uh, type of day. But we went to Texas, was able to go play with Gabe, AJ Risley, um, Cynthia Ricciotti, Kyle Klein. Um, and my lovely wife, Tina, and we went and ripped this at Town Lake, and then we went, uh, played a little bit of Turner Park, while we are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, super fun to get out there. Uh, but I have been throwing a lot. It's been really good. I've been testing a bunch of new discs, which we'll talk about here soon. And, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's super nice. It, it's, I mean, I feel, I feel very lucky to just kind of get out and throw and I have a idea for a future video series that will be super fun that will allow me to do more on the road, uh, which is really cool and will incorporate, you know, being with infinite and being able to bag any disc I want, uh, type of thing. So I'll give a little drop to what that entails. I guess right now, um, the idea is to work with, uh, different pros and basically do a review video with them and basically saying, Hey, convince me to bag your signature series disc. Oh, and let's go review dang. it together. So uh, like first one will probably be me with Paige Pierce throwing the, the fierce and I will go out with her to a course and I'll be like, what, like what holes would you throw a fierce on? And let me let's go play that same hole together and let's do it. Or what types of shots? And we can go out to a field and throw it. And it'll just be one to give her a chance to review the disc, me a chance to review the disc, and then also, you know, see if I can see myself using it as as a disc. And you know, I we've also have the passion as an option, and I have a couple other pros that are coming into town. So that works um works with I'm gonna try and get those, but while I'm on the road and as new tour series discs come out as we're on the road that's the kind of option that we're going for and i think it'll be a really great option to hype up a lot of uh a lot of new players releases and again give them a platform to talk and hype up their own disc that's cool man i like that cool it's very cool so the wedding was nice though though. was the wedding nice uh the wedding oh oh it's like the wedding the the wedding was awesome uh john and steph are two uh, incredibly awesome people and they deserve each other and getting to meet some of their family and friends was super nice uh, also i mean i got to see uh donald and cynthia leva steven story bradley crow and a few others kind of riley ended up being there it was a pleasant surprise um and it was just nice it was just nice to kind of uh get a little reconnect in a for uh, for the right reason so it was very beautiful and uh they do they do like uh they, they they're just happy and that makes cool. me happy yeah i wasn't able to come on uh unfortunately yeah, because of my suck. illness yes because i suck as well <laughs> very cool all right well let's get to some disc golf questions guys thank you so much for sending in those questions remember go to discgolfangerman.com submit those disc golf questions and we will get them on the show for you Appreciate all y'all tuning in and all y'all listening as well. Also, Spotify has added a way for you to rate us one to four stars. And what do we like, Robert? Uh, five stars. Five stars. Five stars. So if you listen to us on Spotify. You said, hold on. You said one to four stars, though. Because I, again, again, I'm an idiot and I suck. I meant one to five stars. Well, I was, <laughs> was going to say five stars regardless I of what you, hesitated. you said. But, but yeah, five, five, five stars. What, even? Hey, thanks for the review of five stars. Five stars. All right. So this question comes from Brian. A question for Eric. 
What was more difficult when switching sponsors? Filling your bag with new discs or filling your wardrobe with new outfits? Wardrobe, 100%. Oh, yeah. I have, no I have, a, I have an enormous bin full of hats, sweatshirts, and, and shirts that are all dynamic out that like I can't really wear anymore. Like I probably could wear some of them because it's just as dynamic this. Like some a lot of them doesn't stay team, but at the same point, like like I should be wearing as much infinite and thought space stuff as I, I possibly can because those are the people who are supporting me. So um I will likely be uh putting some of that stuff up uh for auctions or putting them in some giveaways. Like we're gonna do some mystery boxes that'll probably contain some cool clothing and memorabilia. Um, from my time uh, with uh, with dynamic discs, so that was definitely the hardest part. Robert can feel me on this. Is like when you're getting rid of some one hundred percent, dude. It hurts. Yes, I. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when I left Something team, cool like I, I gave all go. the my team polos and stuff and everything to uh, team members for you know nothing, like super duper cheap. Yeah. But as I was pricing them and giving them. You know, putting up pictures, I was like, dude, this polo is sick. Uh, oh, wait, uh, this polo is sick. <laughs> oh, dude, this vest is awesome. You know, so it hurt my feelings, but it is what it is. Yeah. But I, I agree. Uh, I, my bag was filled like a week later. I still don't have very many disc golf clothes because <laughs> so many of them are out, you know. That's funny. Yeah. I feel that I still have. I mean, I would have no reason to get rid of them, but I, I I still wear my DD t-shirts and stuff like that. In fact, I was uh, getting a new Mm -hmm. cell phone uh, the other day and uh, I was just standing there waiting for them to do all the authorization stuff. And some guy just looks at me and goes, so how often do you play? And I didn't have used, I used to go, huh? Oh, I'm wearing them. Now it's just like, I just, as soon as I, they ask me that, I uh, tell them, you know, I get to go play out and this and that and like that. And then uh, he said, uh, um, so I asked him about, we were talking about disc golf and stuff. And I say, yeah, I used to work for dynamic disc. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And, and I talk about trying to get involved in the disc golf scene here and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, disc golf has grown so big. And I was like, yeah, it's a pretty big sport. Really big thing that people discovered during COVID. And uh, he says, ah, I, th- I think it's the Paul McBeth effect. I think he's just got everybody going out there. And I want to go, dude, I worked in marketing. Shut up. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm just teasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's what I said. Not what you said. Anyway, I'm just teasing. That was a really long uh, layup for a really bad Deshaun. Yeah, I somebody <laughs> threw, threw out a comp. Uh, Sean threw out a comment that uh, if you watch Simon, one of Simon's vlogmas where he called pros, he called me while Tina and I were working out in the garden and I didn't have a shirt on. And uh, so, yeah, there it is, the comment that's posted. Um, so it was very funny because Simon gave me the option to go put a shirt on and I was just like, you know what, whatever, who cares? Like, let's just do it. And it, it ended up, you know, being a nice little treat. If you want to see me looking <laughs> with a nice little sweater vest on, you can definitely go check that out. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Let's hit up the next question. This one is from Luke. Hey, love the show. It's helped me learn a lot in the time that I've been playing, trying to work on getting more spin on my backhand throws in hopes of all around better flights. Two questions on this. First, what effect would more or less grippy plastic have on spin and do you recommend one or the other for drives or approach shots? So go with that question and I'll get you to the second one. I do think uh, grippier plastics will generate more spin, but you're going to find it hard to find a lot of grippy, like really grippy plastics in your drivers. Um, 
Now, some are going to have decent grip, but for the most part, when they're moving fast and they're catching the ground, they're going to kind of keep their speed. Um, uh, on approaches, I think it, it definitely has a lot more benefit to throw something that has a little bit more give or in, or is more in the baseline plastic um, that will likely slow it down uh, quite a bit more. I prefer to throw uh, grippier plastics or discs that don't like to have a lot of play on the ground. Um just to be able to control the distance a little bit more. So I'm controlling it to the distance, not playing a little extra spit, skip, or or roll that I, I it's, it's difficult to account for. Um, but definitely when it comes to getting more spin, it can be helpful. But I think a lot of that comes from a little bit of mechanics. You shouldn't necessarily be thinking too much about spin, but the, the more you kind of get into the natural motion, and work your mechanics you'll start to get that and i think one way to really do that is to go play a lot more catch because throwing a catch frisbee will naturally get your wrist moving and understanding how to spin a disc and then you can start to incorporate that into your throw yeah i'd be really curious if we had you know one of those robots that can release the disc the same every time uh the impact that grippy plastic would have over slick plastic because i don't i mean Mm -hmm. i probably a little bit but i can't imagine that it would be such an impact that you'd want to switch all your <coughs> discs to a grippier plastic you know um i yeah. i mean i would say even if there is a greater impact i would stick with what feels the most comfortable in your in your hand so i wouldn't like if you don't like the feel of soft plastic don't throw it just because it sticks better you want to feel confident mm-hmm. with whatever disc is in your hand there you go. Completely agree. Number two question or second question. I've heard all kinds of things about the disc in your hand during your release. And some of it seems maybe a little contradictory. So in your opinions, what should really be happening in the last moments as the disc is leaving your hand? Mm, that this should be ripping from your fingers or you're not actively thinking unless it's a super, super touchy shot, actively thinking about opening your hand. You should the disc should be kind of fought like with the like the propulsion is that the right word of momentum pulling back and and ejecting the disc forward. There should be no way that you can hold on to the disc type of thing, and that's when you know you have the right grip strength and everything down because that that itself will generate a lot of spin because of the friction that is acting from your fingers and your hand into the disc of it naturally ripping itself out. So that'll add spin itself. Um, that, I guess that's that's pretty much how I would put that. It's like you shouldn't actually, actually be thinking about in the last seconds, oh, oh, let go. Like that, you can't do that. You're never, your, your brain doesn't connect and talk to your hand that fast. What do you think, Robert? I, I think you nailed it. Um, yeah, there is more consistency when you're getting to, I guess, the terminal velocity of your arm where it's like, this is the fastest that your arm is going to be. And that's when the disc rips out instead of thinking about letting go of it. You're always going to have more consistency yeah. there. But the the question of what happens at the end of the, of the hit, I mean, uh, there may be people... Uh, I wonder if you're asking about this, who talk about like break, breaking your wrist early or just having your body do it. I think it's better for your body to do it. I'm not I'm not thinking about curling back whenever I am reaching back. I'm trying to keep a pretty flat wrist until 
I come into that power pocket and from there, that's when the wrist breaks. It's kind of like letting go of the disc. Like the wrist only breaks because it has to. Same with the disc coming out. It's going to come out because that's the natural release point. So uh, that's what I would say. Is that in, and that's where I think where the, the term snap comes from, right? Cause, cause it comes out of your, your, your gripping. It's your grip. Your grip is so hard on the disc. It's flying out of your hand so fast that you bet you, you kind of have a snap at the very end, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it. Um, yeah. I think that it's, it's really like, okay, so you're holding the disc, you know, in here, right? Yeah. Like in this little kind of soft area of your hand. Um, and when the disc rips out, the, the snap that you're hearing, I think I'm not a hundred percent, but is your fingers landing on that right. pad. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the, and you can't really do it like this, but when a disc is in there, you, you can't. Um, and so like, if, if you're looking like if you're searching after audible snap to prove that you have snap, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because that's not, it's not the case for everybody. I mean, if you listen to like, I think the loudest that I've heard is probably three people. Um, that'd be drew. The, the disc coming out of drew's hand is insane. Um, but then the same goes for like, yeah, double G and Eagle. They both have insane audible snap, but there are people who throw just as far as them who don't. And so it's not a, that's not a sign of throwing better. It's just what they do. Didn't Valerie so Jenkins I wouldn't, have I wouldn't a snap? put too much in. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think, yeah, it's not a sign of throwing better or worse or farther. It's just how you're gripping the disc. So I wouldn't chase it. So one of the questions in the, in the YouTube comments says, is there a time you can see where a disc robot machine becomes a thing and flight numbers get standardized as technology progresses? So kind of back to what you're talking about, the machine, Robert, do you really think that something like that could ever be become a thing? Yeah, 100%. It, it could definitely be a thing. I think I talked to someone, um, I think I saw he, he commented on, on Facebook today, but Kyle Giovannini, he's a uh, Team DD guy, military guy, um, or maybe his wife, I can't remember. Uh, but they've moved around overseas and come back quite a bit. And he is a, uh, he's an engineer and talked to me about an idea for building a machine like that. He said it wouldn't be that difficult to do. Um, you just need the resources to do it. Uh, I think we're probably not as far off from that as it seems. But somebody's going to have to be convinced of the importance of it to spend the money to absolutely make oh, yeah. it standardized. So, yeah, that's yeah, it would I just don't need know. to be like one. It would almost have to be like its own individual entity that goes and gets like everybody's going to still like say like, all right, we're going to figure out what our flight numbers are for this disc as a company, right? You're going to throw it, you're going to have people throw it and give yourself flight numbers. But then you can have this secondary secondary party that says, all right, here's what our our machine says the flight numbers are based on these mile per hour releases and spins and, and velocity right. and stuff like that. So you can, and you can also have flight numbers that determine what the disc does based on how hard uh, a person throws as well, I think could be really, right. really interesting. So if your average speed is 50, now you know how that disc and what the flight numbers are for you, which would take most higher speed discs and make them all more on the overstable side of the spectrum 
They'd all be like firebirds and felons and different things like that. But as you gain miles per hour, maybe some of those faster discs start to, their numbers start to straighten out where the firebirds and felons uh, of the world stay the same. Right. I guess I see, and I get, see. I, get, I get it. I see how people say this stuff is either needed or maybe, it's just, I mean, it's interesting to talk about, but and I, I'm not much, I'm not a big sports person to know the, the answer to this question exactly, but are there other sports that are this particular about certain measurements within there? I mean, I'm sure, yes, there's a standard for a soccer ball. There's a standard for a basketball as far as the sizing, I'm sure. But I'm trying to think of other sports where it's like, it's such a regulated thing that they have a third party company make sure that everything is on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, golf there's, would be the there, best example. Yeah, there are golf robots that do this exact thing. Oh, really? For sure. See, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, you, right. You wouldn't want to do this for soccer or basketball because it's one ball that everybody plays with. Right. So, the, yeah, the, the size is standardized. It's not as, um, I guess, varied as disc golf discs and plastics and even even individual discs from one run to another you know uh, I, I would love to see it I think it'd be fascinating I'd be all about that so I sure. guess it really does just I mean obvious but it does come down to, to the money because obviously there's a lot more money yeah. in golf than there is disc golf so you're going to see people invest and stuff like that uh, just right. barely more money though just, just about that much Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not that much more just like a little Okay. There you go. Yeah, that's right. That's about right. All right, about right. Okay, so Josh has a question. He says, with all the discs Eric can now throw, does he believe that there's still is, that there is a disc still to be made? Is there a shot or something with quality that you are just waiting for someone to make? Example, someone really needs to make a putter that uh that does blank or mid-range that does blank, etc. Thank you guys. You are the best. Love listening to the show. Uh, I've been saying it for a while. I feel discs have gotten to the point where we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen the straight discs from the putter. We've seen the straight discs from the mid-range. We've seen the straight disc from the fairway driver up to the seven and even potentially leaking into some nine speeds that can, <coughs> that can do it to an extent. And what I mean by straight is Mike, does not have a lot of peel right, doesn't have a lot of fade left. It is pretty point and shoot, hit it hard, maybe touch a hyzer or flat, and you get that dead straight flight almost almost throughout. Um, I think the first company that makes a 12-speed type disc, because I feel like that's like the standardized of distance drivers. Like 13 and 14s are talked about, but they're not really like loved the same. They think that the, being that the destroyer did what it did and created the the hype around distance driver um, doing what it does is is super important. But most of the time, when people are throwing a destroyer or or high speed disc like that, it is hyzer play or over the top play, like eagles eagle shot at uh, the players um, uh, the match play thing they did in uh, the Pittsburgh area, I think it was, where he threw that seven hundred foot shot where he ripped a disc over on Anheuser and had this holding flight before it faded out and was incredibly impressive. But he had to play the angles of the disc to get that distance. 
what I would love to see is a 12-speed disc that flies like a T-Bird or Explorer or uh, an Emac Truth or something like that. But a 12-speed disc that does that, I don't know if it's even possible, but if it can be done, that will be the disc that I believe could break the game. Do I think anything faster is needed? No, I don't think so. But a disc of that caliber that you can throw as hard as you possibly want and it goes dead straight and it goes 450, 500 feet is going to to be the disc that we have not seen. Now, or you it say, might not even be doable. When you say the, that you throw, what skill level are you talking? Because it's going to do something different when this, I throw it and you throw it. For sure. And I, I think that that's a, that's a hard one because yeah. um, for a disc to be at that speed and stay for that long, it would need to be for an elite level player. Because I don't think yeah, you can necessarily sure. because there might be that disc and it's understable for you, Bobby, that is fast, that goes it goes straight. Oh, Daniel, I'm talking majority of pros, not uh, <laughs> not the one percenters like Drew Gibson. He throws so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say my point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But my point is I, it's like I, it would probably be ahead. in the high speed arms for it. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I'm with you on that. Um I got, okay, so this is anecdotal, but just hear me out. The one time I got to play USDGC, um, I had a Ballista Pro in the bag. It was a Proto Ballista Pro that was worked in. I mean, it wasn't understable, but it was like, I mean, it literally flew like a T-Bird that I could throw as far as I could throw it, which, I mean, you know, it's not going to be much over like 430. Um, but on a whole... Uh, on 888, right? You just tee straight. There's sidewalk right. There's um, trees and brush to the left. And one of the rounds, I outdrove my group throwing that just on a flat shot. Now, once again, I don't outdrive people often, especially not at that level. But um, that's the only disc that I've had like that that was just so straight, minimal fade. But it got it. It didn't start like that. And it was only like that until I lost it, of course, because that's what happens to discs. They they get out they of that sweet out of spot. That, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. But that sweet spot was like, it was incredible. But it was only like that for, you know, th- the three weeks leading up to that and the week of USTGC. And then mm-hmm. I lost it and whatever. But it, I think it's I think possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough. It's it's tricky. Do you think, do you think, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, Obviously, we have insider information, but um, you know that. And people people know it. Manufacturers make discs, new stuff to test the market, to have the nice, new, shiny toy. Do you think we'll ever see anything? There's not a Speed 15 disc, right? Is there? 14 is the highest. Yeah, there, is there a 15? The the missile and the racket 10 were... Were they 15? Uh, they were marketed as 15 because of the hex pattern. The hex pattern. Um, yeah, the reason that we can't do that right now is that uh, a specifications limit rim size. Right. And we're already at that rim size. Like right. if you do look you, at it. But nuke, do you think, I mean, I'm, do you think a manufacturer will lobby the PDGA to change that? I I hope not. Why? I, I think that'd be silly. Why? Um, I, I think that people are already breaking disc golf as it is with the discs that we have. Like the, the courses that we have are not 
well-suited for the modern power players game because they can just overpower the course. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not all courses, but I mean, most of the casual courses, even some of like the lower level, I mean, tournament tier courses, uh, you can just crush if you can throw up and over everything or um, if you can get this just to hold straight and peel right at 450 feet, which people are starting to be able to do on a, you know, on a good forehand or a clean back end or something. So I, I like it how it is because it's incredible, but it's not like, it's not like throwing in a Roby where it's yeah. just, you let it go and you're like, Oh my gosh, look at this, but who knows where it's going to go. You know what I mean? I like where it's at. All right. I was just quitting. Just curiosity. All right, let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll cut it out. We don't have any time for curiosity in here. <laughs> yeah. Was your name yeah. George? Keep, yeah, keep your curiosity to yourself. All right, okay, are you reading or what? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I don't know that they want me to read this out loud, so I will skip that one. Uh, this okay. was from Kyle. Hey, DeGam fam. Thanks for the pod. I have three main questions for you. He wrote it in that cadence, by the way. I thought you said pie, and I was like, we sent we sent out Christmas gifts this year? <laughs> yes. So Dang. all, all tw- 16 nice. people that are, uh, we'll be getting a pie in the mail. We get pie. Hey. <laughs> okay, first. Hey, you want to you split pie? Split pie? Go ahead. What split makes pie. a professional <laughs> disc, what makes a disc a professional disc or a beginner friendly besides weight? Is there an intermediate level disc? Kind of just what we were talking about. Yeah. So uh, I want to speak to that really quickly. Nope. You got it. Um, just super fast. No, you got it. I think nope. stability is the no, biggest thing. Um, no, I think you got uh, it. No, no. Hey, I'm I, no, I'm going to go for it. Uh, I think, I think stability is the biggest thing um, that like light, lightweight discs uh, for beginners. Yes, that's great. And you should absolutely use those, but you're going to be hard pressed to find a lightweight disc made for a beginner. That's not understable. Like nope. understable discs are easier to throw straight. That's why they're <coughs> great, great for beginners. Once you develop some arm speed, you still have utility for those because you can work them to the right. You can turn them into a roller. You can turn them into your Anheuser uh, disc or your 60% straight shot disc. You can do all of that. Um, but yeah, stability is the biggest thing in my opinion. What do you think, Iraq? So... I think this this perception of pro discs to am discs to beginner discs is uh, archaic and Dang. backwards because at, no matter what you yourself are your throw is different from everyone else you play with your throw your speed your hand size everything the amount of weight you can transfer everything is all different. So you should actively be finding discs that work the best for you and your game. Stop watching in the bags and modeling your bags off of pros. Yes, that might hurt my my sales of discs in the future because I I prefer, would prefer if you threw everything that I threw and supported that. But at, at the same time, if a disc that I really love is not at all good for you, you shouldn't throw it. Just because of me right. or any other pro. That that I think is the common misconception. Is the more you can start to find discs that fit your own personal game, the better you will end up being. 
Don't yeah. uh, if if you go out and you throw a diamond and it is butter for you for these sick turnovers that you're throwing at 50% easy flip holds over so you don't have to work as much on a sidearm, throw a diamond. And if you're a thousand and if you're a 10 20 rated player and you're still throwing that shot with that same diamond, <coughs> keep throwing it. Just because it says it's a beginner disc yes. does not mean it's limited to just new players. There you like, go. Right. And like that. And the opposite the opposite is true as well. Like when the stiletto came out and I was still sponsored by DD, I had a stiletto in the bag, but I didn't need a stiletto. Like I don't throw yeah. hard enough to need that. I mean, there, you don't have to throw hard to make a stiletto do something for you, but like torquing over forehands and throwing them as hard as I could to get it to full flex when I could have just thrown a flat shot with an, even an enforcer or defender or gosh, anything that I didn't have to work as hard to throw. I mean, I had to crunch that just to get it to do anything for me. So, but that's not the same, like Emerson Keith throws stilettos all over the place. Um, so it's, it's awesome for him. It just wasn't for me. Um, yeah, the same goes for other discs. Like I threw the escape a lot and, most people my skill level or higher weren't throwing the escape very much because it's kind of touchy and they could, you know, get get the flight that they needed more out of, you know, a straight fairway or something a little bit more overstable. It's just something that works for me. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just about what works for you. Don't don't be ashamed of what that is. I mean, uh, freaking Garrett Gerthy throws a Sonic. Mm-hmm. I, 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 one of the yeah, one of the farthest throwers in the game throws a catch disc and a super understable mid range. So there you just go. do you do you why don't you be you yeah. <laughs> and I'll no, be Bobby, me no. copyright copyright and I'll be me I was hoping that that was coming second part of the question I started playing this spring and haven't started using a run up yet Frankly, my standstills could use work. How confident in my standstills should I be before I work on my walk slash run up? Man, I, I think. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume, and I will be making a butt out of me more than I am out of you, friend. Um, but here we are. So you're thinking about your score too much as you're first starting to play and you're worried about your mechanics too much. If you're thinking that, that you have to do all these things early on, yes, you're trying to build the platforms to get where you're going, but you should get out there and try all these different ways. Throw from a standstill, throw from a run up on the same hole, throw from a one, like a one step, throw all these different ways and start expanding your throw. Stop keeping score because it because you're going to shank shots and that's fine. But throw a couple shots, pick up some, pick up your disc, go throw, put yourself in a good spot to kind of keep learning the game and enjoying the game. I think that that's one thing that comes into players who are developing and getting and getting into the game is the score is so important. So they want to be making sure that they're doing everything right to get their score low when. In reality, you're in the developmental periods. We'll call it if you're in the season of of a, if you're you're you yourself as a team, you are in the very early stages of preseason. You're in the like we're trying to get everybody fit to even start having practices, and that's what I think is it should be something that you should be focusing on. You're still in your conditioning phase. 
of of disc golf. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, my I thought. Think- I might have made an ass out of me, but uh, hopefully it's not out of him as well. No, I I, th- I think you're exactly right. We put a lot of emphasis on score as early as possible because it's probably the easiest way to monitor your progress, but mm-hmm. it's not the most telling way, honestly. Um, yes, lower scores are the end result of putting in work and improving. That's true. But you could go out and play a great round of disc golf and not score very well. Like That's very possible to do. Um, you could also go out and <laughs> put that. down a great score yeah, you could also go down and put a put down a great score and not not play very well to, to your standards. And so, yeah, I, I think just going out and throwing like I've gotten to the point now where I just don't keep up if I'm if I'm going to play. I just go throw. And Same. if I want to throw a couple of extra shots a hole, great. If I'm working on something specifically, I'm definitely not going to keep score because it's going to make me think that what I'm working on isn't working. That's not what it's there for. I'm there to work on the process of improving. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It, it puts it puts unneeded pressure. Like you should have opportunities to practice for tournaments. And remember, if you're playing in rec, intermediate, or advanced, you're playing against people who have limitations on the amount of time that they can play or limited amount of time that they have played. So that that is a pretty big factor of you shouldn't even be thinking too much about that comparison as well because it's again it's just so important to just keep enjoying the game the reason i got good at early stages and learned how to throw far was because me and my friends went to a field and grabbed as all of our discs and just threw as them as far as we could across this football field went to the other side gather them all back up and then threw them back and then just kept doing that trying to throw farther and farther and we tried different run-ups. We tried different grips. We tried different angles. We tried everything we possibly could, but we were never keeping score. And we were never like trying to throw farther. We were just ripping discs. And when we and one of us figured it out, we just talked about what they did. And that was one way to help uh, dive it in. And I mean, we had every disc. And we grabbed so many discs that we ended up not ever using. Like I remember grabbing like an archangel from like a DX archangel because it was like, Oh, the numbers right. should be perfect. I should be able to throw it. It's going to turn. It's going to do thing. And it didn't do that. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with this disc? And it didn't it took me a, a lot longer to figure out that that was all on me. And, you know, and th- again, coming back to it is just keep throwing and keep learning um, with every single throw. So try stuff that doesn't feel comfortable so, because that will be your progression, because you'll start to understand. Okay, the release was off, but it felt natural, and that's a good, that's a positive step. Because again, I think you can throw and hit the first tree and assume it was bad, but it might have actually been a really good throw. And if you're in a field, you'll actually see that it was a good throw. So those those things are important right. as well. This third question is: What um, are some? Hey, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just just quick follow up yeah. question to that, Eric. When you guys were out throwing in the field with all those discs. Um, when did you decide on your current form as it is? Mm-hmm. Like uh, you, you were saying, I, I you were saying, no you know, yeah, that, that's what I was curious about because like n- nobody would look at your form and be like, Hey, that's orthodox. In fact, most call it unorthodox. But when you get to the, when you get to the hit and when you get to uh, the important positions, you're, you're in the right position. It's just a lead up to it looks a little bit different than most people. So was that something that happened out in the field? Did you come across that later? Was it just natural? What do you think? It was uh, it was a 
I think it was a factor of two different things. It was watching a little bit of disc golf and the little, little bit of disc golf that I could find on the internet at the time was I got to see Steve Brinster throw and I oh, yeah, the hop. gravitated towards watching him and seeing his hop. So I naturally, it was, and I was in a young, <laughs> younger age to where it was easy to adapt that a little bit more. I was, you know, I was 15 years old at the time. So I was still growing, but it was easier to mold and model after study a little bit more. Um, so that was part of it. And two, um, it, it just kind of became like, I didn't have anything to compare it to outside of like, I was comparing it to Steve, uh, at the time, but I didn't have countless thousands of hours of YouTube videos of Paul, uh, Drew Gibson or Simon Lazad or Eagle McMahon or Paul Macbeth, like form breakdowns to, to compare to, because it was all me doing it. And I eventually reached a point where it was so ingrained that the whole process of re redoing my swing is um, would have been too much. So I, I reached a point and that was, I have made minor adjustments to my swing over the past um, like three or four years, but that has been at the, um, at the, consultation if you will of Landon Knight uh who I think yeah. if if and when we need swing coaches in disc golf which if there's going to be a time for it he is the best person for that so shout out to Landon Knight he's out of the Dallas Fort Worth area of Texas he does lessons yep. you can reach out to him um uh but uh he's just an amazing person he has helped me with my swing a lot he actually helped me with my swing in the middle of because I was missing some some hit points, but I think a lot of that came from uh, taking six weeks off in the off seasons, <laughs> where I just wasn't able to really get back up to speed right. that I needed to for the season, which was which happens. So, with that being yeah. said, I got to the point where I needed to stick with it, but make micro adjustments that are act that can that can that can take what I have, the base that I have. Okay, cool, and then we can we can make it better in these subtle ways rather than scrapping the whole thing and rebuilding from the ground up is what a lot of people end up doing, which I, I think I'm too many years in to make that type of change. Right. Sorry, Bobby. I was just curious about that. Hey, no worries. All right. So his third part of his question was what are some recommended courses in Northwest Iowa or in the Iowa area in general? Man, I've only played wildcat. Um, a couple other courses and I have played Pickard. Um, but Pickard's dope. I don't. That's in Des Moines. I don't think that's necessarily in that portion. But um, I think there's Iowa's got Iowa's actually kind of low key dope. Awesome for disc golf. Yeah, it's yes. like it, there's a lot of of really good stuff in that area. So yeah, I, I think that it's just that's how it is. All right, we got one last question. This is what's up, Degam Crew. I'm a left hand backhand player. But if I throw forehand, Sorry. it would be with my right hand. So I don't throw forehand at all because of this. I, so you're Max Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to throw turnovers and Anheuser's a lot as I've been working on them more. I can get the nose down for the most part, but can't seem to get the disc high enough in the air for it, get, for it to get full flight. What happens is I can I either can't get the disc on the turnover line at all, or if I do, it's at an immediate descent and doesn't get the full flight to come back when I need it to, and it kills my distance. What can I do to fix this? Also, is there another approach I should be taking when playing since a forehand doesn't do me any good in my case? 
I think you need um, to try uh, some more understable options, like very yeah. understable options, and go to the field and let dis naturally turn over because you're probably trying to throw the shot hard still because I you're talking about it's killing your distance. Where if you're trying to get something to naturally turn to the right, you don't want to be like if you're unless you're good at forcing over and you have the ability to control those angles, then do so. But if not, slow it down, disc disc way down and let it naturally do that flight would be my suggestion. What are you going to say, Robert? Yeah. And I, th- I was just going to say, um, if you're having, if you're having trouble keeping it over to the left, I, yeah, I'm with you hundred percent throwing a more understable option is going to help you. Um, but that's something that I struggle with as well when I'm throwing anhyzers is, um, just throwing it nose up because, uh, a high nose up release and a good high Anheuser release feel shockingly similar. And so <laughs> they're very, they're very close to one another. And so it's easy to just get that nose up and then it just flies kind of straight and then finishes left. And you're like, well, that's not at all what I wanted to do. Um, but most of the time when I have that issue, it's when I'm trying to throw a neutral disc and kind of force it over instead of just letting an understable disc do its thing. So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, I know that, uh, Zach Arlinghouse is a, is another guy who's a left hand, backhand, right hand, forehand player. Um, I don't think that, I don't think that just because the only way you could throw forehand is right hand that you should totally discount it. But, um, yeah, the, I, I would place a lot more, uh, significance and importance on learning those Anheuser's than I would, messing with my forehand a whole lot, unless you're going to start learning that left hand forehand, in which case I would say definitely work on that. Um, having, being able to throw the disc on either side of your body is, I mean, it's crucial to score in today's game. If that's what you're, if that's what you want to do, if you want to just go have fun, throw it however you want. I throw very few forehands, but I'm not trying to score at the top level anymore. All right, we're going to move on to our segment that we've been highlighting since uh, Eric's change over to infinite discs. And t- what's the other one? I just thought I just feel bad. You just thought, announced thought it. Space. Thought, thought Space. Thought Space. Yes, Thought Space. So tell us, what are your two discs that you've been uh, checking out? Uh, at the moment, uh, the one that I'm really hyping up is the Exodus as my like fairway driver of choice for like 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 your if you if we were to call it explorer t-bird uh evader um type disc um i've been really like trying to learn this one more um as my time goes on and to to complement that i have the uh let's do this one this one's pretty i have the thoughts of athletic votum which is another disc that I have actually been throwing that is very similar to the Exodus, but I think there there's a possibility that they could be used in different ways, which is super, super nice of having a complement to where you do see players bagging discs like um, in some situations where like I'd have a Centurion for my flippy stuff, I'd have the Exodus for my dead straight stuff, and I might have a Votum for uh straight to stable stuff before I start stepping up to like a uh, scepter or firebird or felon type disc. Um, and that, that's where it's like, uh, these two discs are being like really fighting for spots. And I have a couple others that I'm uh, awaiting to try like the passion and, and fierce at the moment. But um, yeah, to me, it's just, uh, 
this is one of the probably the most important slots to have kind of lined up in your bag is a good um uh a good seven speed disc and um I think the Vota might be a little bit faster, but it doesn't feel that much faster. I feel like I'm throwing similar lines with both of these, but I'm getting a different flight where the Votum feels more just a tick more stable, probably more like a natural eagle flight uh, where the Exodus flies like kind of feels like an eagle, so they don't feel that different, but I'm getting a much straighter flight out of the Exodus which for my arm speed, which is really, really fun. And they both are uh, pretty actually pretty exceptional in the wind which is really great, especially for a straight thrower. And you, uh, you said you've been working on a video series or have you guys started that yet where you've been kind of talking about this on video as far as different discs you've been trying out? Yeah. Uh, the building the bag series, uh, the first three segments are filmed and, uh, uh, waiting to be produced. Uh, I did putting putters, throwing putters and approach discs where, uh, yeah, some, some of the throwing putters will be approach discs, but I tried to keep approach discs to like, a justice, a zone, a you know, different things like that. That they are truly unique approach discs. Whether they're super understable or they're super overstable approach discs, um, I left. I kind of left it to that. Like I went out and threw the stego and a couple other options uh, along with it. And the mid range is the next one up uh, along with. And I might break fairway drivers into two segments as well mm. because. I think there's merit in doing um, seven speeds, seven and eight speeds, and nine and ten speeds um, separately because I think they they offer different options and a video with both of them in it could be too long. The mid range one is going to be insane. I'm just I I still don't even know. I know I'm loving the Pathfinder from Thought Space Athletics, uh, the Claymore, um, but there are a there are so many good mid ranges out there. It's kind of insane. So I think that's that. That's where it's like I'm gonna throw a bunch of stuff, and there's not gonna be much difference. So it's, uh, it's really just gonna come down to feel, and that's kind of what the first three videos also were about. It was like, this flies great, but it doesn't feel good for me, and I need people to know that that it's like a disc can fly great and could be perfect for you, but if it doesn't feel good, you're not gonna be confident, and that's I think is a really important part of it. Have you given so yourself? Yeah. A, have you given yourself a date that like this is the date where I'm going to have my bag? Pretty much. I mean, I know new discs come along and you want to try different things, but is there a specific date that you say, okay, this is it? This is what I'm going to no. now. I've got to now. I've got to really get to know these these bad boys before the 2022 season. No, no. I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling my bag is going to have a little bit more uh, fluidity uh, throughout the season right. where. Coming into Vegas, I'll have a bag ready, but I think my bag from Vegas to uh, the Texas swing will be very, very different uh, just because of what is going to be asked of me at at the Beast and at um, Dogwood um, from in comparison. And I should be able to do that a little bit more seamlessly where I can you know, shift to having five different distance drivers that I'm going to be throwing at Vegas all over the place for all the different shots. And then when I go down to the woods, I'll probably shrink that number down to two or three and then up the fairways and mid range count uh, up uh, a sizable amount for the wooded swing. And, um, you know, just have some stuff that I know and can trust in different situations uh, a little bit more. So I will definitely be doing a starting the season in the bag where I might, do a kind of a, a, a bulked 
up version of in the bag of this is what I'm planning on throwing at Vegas. And here are some options that I might be throwing at the Texas swing. So everybody will have an idea. And uh, the best part about this whole infinite option and that I'm going to be changing things up throughout the year is that as new stuff comes out, I can put them in, I can get anybody's new disc or anybody's new plastic or anything and find out if find out if it, it deserves a spot in my bag and I can do a middle of the season or, you know, you know, after the, after the major swing or before the major swing, what does some throw on that kind of stuff? I think will be cool to do some updated uh, quick in the bag segments to talk about some new discs. And also with the series I talked about earlier with working with the different pros that could definitely have some impact on the disc that I end up throwing. Gotcha. Were you going to say something, uh, Robert? Uh, no, I just, that, that's super cool. The, what I was nodding at vehemently earlier was talking about a disc that flies how you want to, but doesn't feel how you want it to in your hand. Um, before the, uh, Thunderbird came out, before the getaway and all those kind of discs, the PD was that disc, um, just that cleaner. But if you didn't have a first run, I believe, all the ones after that were made with a plus molded rim, which was like a slanted rim. And I love the flight of the disc and I could not handle how it felt in my hand. I hated it. And so I didn't bag it until I found one that was that, that actually felt right. That wasn't the slanted rim. Um, so yeah, um, I was just agreeing. I think you're exactly right. A disc could be great. And if it doesn't feel good to you, it's not worth having in your hand. Nope. If you don't, if you don't feel confident, like you're not going to be confident when you need to throw it. And that's it's yeah, just so 100%. it's so important. And plastic type can be that it could be like uh, uh, like there's it could have this little lip that like you're talking about that just is like I just can't figure out why that doesn't feel good in my hand. And it, you shouldn't force that. I'm not restricted by one company where, oh, the only disc that does that is this disc. Crap. I have to force myself to get used to this where legitimately there is no forcing. I put in whatever I want in my bag. And not to say, again, it's not a bad thing to do that. And I will probably, this will be the first time in my career where I have uh, a lot more diversity in my molds where I used to be more, uh, less molds, uh, but the same amount of discs where now I'll probably have more molds but the same amount of discs that I used to, just uh, letting different molds cover the different shots. There you go. Sick. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you for tuning in on YouTube. Thank you for listening to us on the audio podcast version as well. Thank you for sending in those questions. Keep those questions coming in. Discgolfanswerman.com. Select that. Submit a disc golf question so you can get your questions in. Um, anything else before we sign off, gentlemen? Not here. I got nothing. All right. Well, I don't want to wish all of our listeners, all of our viewers, viewers a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And of course, to my co-hosts, Robert and Eric, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, able to spend some time with some family and friends and uh, able to reflect on what's important in life. Um, this is this, yeah. this is the time when you kind of get to see fa- more family that you normally do. It's a, a time to slow down and be appreciative of what you have and be content with what you have. So um, you guys have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, man. We'll see you all next time.